to the hour. Give me a hug. <laughs> Good to see you. I just want to take a moment just to honor your pastors, Pastor Rob and Pauline Santo. Can we give it up for these guys? What an incredible, faithful couple. Um, and just pillars in the ACC movement. I'm part of the ACC, and I know there are other pastors here this morning, people from all over. We want to thank you guys and honour you guys for your lifetime of service to our movement, to our church, and for all that you've done. I think there's going to be many people in heaven that you don't even know you've impacted. Um, And I think with pillars like you guys, um, there are people who look to you that you probably don't even realise are watching you and, and thankful for you and your example and the fact that you've just gone the long haul and that you're the same person behind the scenes as you are on the stage. What I love about these guys is they're so devoted to Jesus. They have such a deep um, relationship and intimacy with God that they'll get up in the early hours of the morning and just spend time in the Bible and prayer and they are the real deal. And as a fellow minister and a young pastor, sort of up and coming pastor, I want to thank you guys for really paving the way and showing us how to be totally sold out, totally devoted to Jesus and just laying your life down for the people of God. So can we give it up one more time for them? Aren't they awesome? Just absolute heroes, absolute heroes. And I really felt as I was in prayer for um, this church and this region as well, that God wants to bring revival to this region. I think there's a hunger in this place. There's something that's stirring up, even with the women yesterday. I went uh, back to Pastor Rob and Pauline's house last night and I was just buzzing. My, my spirit was awakened to what God wants to do in this place. And I really felt specifically for you guys that God really wants this place to be a house of healing. And I believe that you're going to see signs and wonders and miracles breaking out all over this region, that there are going to be people who are drawn to this place. And I love that you made room for the Holy Spirit in your awakened nights on Thursday night. I believe through prayer and through revival, we're going to see the miraculous flow uh, in a powerful way. Um, As Pastor Pauline was mentioning, I come from Numa Church in Melbourne. I was in Adelaide for 14 years with Pastor David and Donna Hall at LifePoint Church. And I just recently moved back to Geelong to be with my family and um, to travel around and do ministry. And so I'm part of Numa Church in Richmond in Melbourne. This church was started by Smith Wigglesworth and Amy Semple McPherson. Birthed out of the Sunshine Revival, and uh, God had done amazing things in our church a hundred years ago. But how many know that God doesn't just want to do amazing things a hundred years ago? God wants to move in great power today. And so, as a church, we've just been stirred up, just hungering after the presence of God, and just getting into deep prayer, and just hungering after what God wants to do in Australia. And about a month ago, or two months ago, we started these revival meetings. And God just started to break out in revival in our church in a powerful, powerful way. We've seen hundreds of miracles. We've seen uh, seven people so far totally healed from cancer. Isn't that amazing? Can we give God a shout of praise for that? We've seen um, 
it's just hundreds of miracles. Some of the miracles I shared with the ladies yesterday, but one of them, a lady Kelly Long, her and her husband Josh have been here. She was, um, she's had scoliosis since she was a kid and her spine was like in this sort of shape and her neck was three centimetres off centre and she's gone back to the doctors after being prayed for at the revival meetings. Hey, Bernard, <laughs> it's good to see you. Um, he was part of our church in Adelaide. I didn't realise he was here. Um, she had this this neck that was off three centimetres off centre. She went back to the um, doctors to have the scans done. And as she has the scans done, the doctors are looking at it and they're like, we can't explain this. Your spine is completely straight and your neck is not off centre at all. She's had it since she was a kid. And we had another guy who's one of the ushers in our church. He got up just the other week and testified. He's been blind in his left eye, has had surgery on that and different things happening with that left eye and he hasn't been able to see out of it it's completely blind and he got up the other night and he testified that God has healed his eye he didn't even have an optic nerve in his eye that was taken away but he can see through that left eye God's done a creative miracle so can we give a shout of praise to God for that just powerful so powerful and um, we, we tested it out with all these miracles we want to test it we don't want it to be any sort of you know fake miracles or whatever and so um, Pastor Corey Turner he's our senior pastor there he got out a Bible and they covered his right eye this guy and he starts reading and he can read perfectly out of his left eye and God is just doing incredible things we've seen multiple salvations just people sharing the gospel with anyone and everyone and people are coming um, I was at my dentist went to my dentist and just started talking to my dentist. We were talking about how I was doing a PhD in theology. And so he starts asking me all these questions about my PhD and he's very interested. And I'm trying to answer. I'm like, ah, you know, trying, trying to articulate what I'm talking about. And at the end of this, the, the session with him, he's, he said to me, what church do you go to? And I said, I go to Numa Church in Richmond. And we were in Geelong at the time. Geelong is about an hour and 15 minutes away from Richmond. And he said, no way. I walked past that church on Sunday. I went to get a barn me from the Vietnamese shop just down the road on Bridge Road. And I was walking past that church and looking in the window, trying to work out what was going on in there. He lives like only about 10 minutes from that church. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. That's really cool. And, and he's like, do you think I could come to your church? I was like, oh, yeah, let me think about that. Of course, yeah, you can come to my church. And so he's been coming along to church, just been radically transformed by God, just weeping in the services. He'll be in the revival meetings when people are going crazy, de demons are manifesting. I'm like, hey, man, it's a, bit, it's a bit wild, isn't it? Isn't it? And he's like, yeah, it's wild. Like, it's crazy. It's like nothing he's ever seen before. But God's moving in his life as well. And you know what? This is what happens when we prioritize the presence of God, when we we get back to the main things, when we get back to the presence of Jesus and say, God, we just want you. God, we just need you. God, we don't want to be focused and distracted on all of our things and all of our programs and whatever we want to do. We want to come back to that place of saying, Jesus, what do you want to do on the earth right now? How do you want to use me in my life? And so I'm excited to be sharing a little bit into that this morning. Um, I would love to share a message called, All You Need to Know. And I'm going to read from Luke chapter 10 and verse 38 to 42. Then I'm going to pray and then you guys can have a rest. Um, so Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. 
says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. And Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Church, can we just bow our heads and just pray over the word this morning? Jesus, we thank you that your presence is here by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, we just take a moment just to acknowledge you in the room today. Lord God, we thank you that you are the most important one in this room, Lord God. We draw our attention and our focus and our affection towards you, Lord God. God, I just pray as the preacher today that I would decrease and you would increase, God. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would move in this place in great power, Lord. I pray that we would see you high and lifted up, that we would be drawn into a deeper relationship with you, Lord God, and we would receive an anointing and power, Lord God, to go out and transform the world around us, God. God, let signs and wonders and miracles and confirmations of your word be found in this place today, Lord God. Come and speak and move in every hungry heart. God, we just give you all the praise and we give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen, amen, awesome. Thank you, amazing worship team. Can we give it up for our incredible worship team this morning? You guys are awesome. So we're reading this story in the Bible in Luke chapter 10 about uh, some sisters named Mary and Martha. Quite a common passage of scripture that you've probably read before. You've probably heard about these two ladies. We see on this particular day that they were friends with Jesus. Jesus would come over to their house all the time. He was great friends with them. He would hang out with them. He would spend time at their house regularly. And their brother was Lazarus who was raised from the dead. Um, We have Mary and Martha who are waiting for Jesus. And Jesus comes and he stops off at their house that day. We see that Jesus likes the pop-in. Does anyone like the pop-in? You just drop into your friend's house unannounced. They're unaware. They're frantically trying to get their house together, trying to work out how they're going to host you. Well, Mary and Martha were in that space on this day. So Jesus arrives with his whole entourage. He's got all of his people with him. He arrives unannounced at Mary and Martha's house and Martha is caught unawares. So Martha is like, I'm not ready for Jesus to show up to my house today. What am I going to do? But she is a boss lady, right? So Martha is a boss lady. She is going to get it all together. So she is in the kitchen. She's preparing the kebabs and the rice and the shawarma and all of those things for Jesus and his entourage. And as she starts to prepare this food, she starts to get a little bit of an attitude. She's like, 
what's up with this Mary? She's just not helping me. My sister, she's so annoying. She never does any housework around the house. She's just sitting at the feet of Jesus, hanging out with Jesus. Um, and she starts to get a bit mad at her sister Mary. And she, she decides that not only is she going to fester on that in the kitchen as she's cutting up the lamb and doing all the things, she thinks, I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to Jesus about it. So she walks into the living room, she stomps in, she's got, you know, her uh, gloves on and her apron on and she's talk, talking to Jesus and she's like, Jesus, my sister Mary is not helping me with all the preparations that need to be made. She's not helping me make all the kebabs and the rice. Can you tell her? No, she doesn't even say can you. She's like, tell her to help me. She's like, don't you even care? Tell her to help me. And Jesus is like, Martha, Martha, you are distracted by many things, but only one thing is needed. Only one thing is needed and Mary has chosen the better thing. Jesus has this mic drop moment where he tells Martha that all she needed to do was get in his presence. Martha was distracted, Jesus says, by many things. She was distracted by all the preparations that needed to be made. And as she got distracted, she began to get frustrated. She began to get focused on all the ways that she didn't have... <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you remember get, getting taken out of church when you're a kid or when you're in trouble and you're like getting walked out of the church and all the other kids are like, oh, <laughs> you're going to get it. Um, what a cute little boy. Is that Caleb? Oh, isn't he gorgeous? Um, so we see that she is distracted, and you can see I'm distracted by many things. But she was distracted by many, many things. I don't know about you, but I feel like in this season of COVID and all this sort of stuff and where the church is at, where the global church is at, we have been distracted by many things. We've been distracted by vaccinations. We've been distracted by politics. We've been distracted by programs. We've been distracted by every other thing. We've got frustration. Frustrated, we've had chaos, we've felt, um, we've felt like we don't know what to do, like we don't have the grace to do it, and we've got frustrated. We were sort of in this space. I don't know about you, but I felt like I was in that space. God, what are you doing? God, don't you even care? God, why aren't we seeing a move of God? God, why are churches shut down? We're, we're frustrated. Martha was frustrated. But we see that Jesus comes to Martha in her frustration. Jesus comes to Martha in the middle of her distraction. Jesus comes to Martha and he realigns her focus. And he says, Martha, all you need to know is that all you need to do is prioritize my presence. You need to get in my presence. It's so interesting because as I was reading this passage of scripture um, only a, a month or two ago, I was just spending time in the presence of God and just reading this passage of scripture. And I was like, Jesus... Like, you can't really blame Martha, right? You can't blame her. Like, you've shown up to her house with all of these people and you expect there to be food on the table, like, right? You know, you cursed the fig tree. What would have happened if there was no food at her house that day? Um, you know, you come over to Martha's house all the time. And so Martha's probably thinking, like, it's just business as usual. I'll just get on with it. I'll just make it happen for Jesus. I'll, I'll get all the food together and I'll make all the preparations. Like, I don't really understand where she went 
wrong here because if she had sat at the feet of Jesus, then who was going to look after the meal? Has anyone ever thought about that? Has any, anyone ever said, yeah, all the Marthas are like, yes, who was going to make the food that day? And as I was just sitting, <laughs> as I was just sitting reading that passage of scripture and just sort of writing out and just sort of getting revelation on it, God just stopped me in that moment. And he's like, Layla, have you ever considered that just one chapter earlier, I had fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. Have you ever considered that I am in the catering business? Have you ever considered that if Martha had just sat at my feet, if she had just chosen the one thing that was most important, if she had just prioritized the presence of Jesus, who knows what miracle could have taken place in her house that day? Who knows what Jesus could have done? Who knows what would have been recorded in that book instead of Martha coming to Jesus and telling Jesus what to do. See, Martha comes to Jesus and instead of recognizing that he is in the catering business and that if she just prioritized his presence, she could come from a place of allowing miracles to go forth in her house. Instead of that, she's frustrated. She starts telling Jesus what to do. Instead of sitting in his presence and saying, Jesus, what would you have me do? I believe that as we get in the presence of Jesus, as we prioritize the presence of Jesus, he doesn't ask us to do anything that he doesn't grace us to do. If we sit in his presence first, if we come and we prioritize him as we come into his presence, he sends us out to do the work with his grace and his power and his anointing. And guess what? He adds his miraculous, supernatural, miracle-working power to our lives. I truly believe that God is calling his church back to that simple place of prioritizing his presence. And I believe that as we prioritize the presence of Jesus, we are going to see the miraculous power of God, the supernatural break forth in the church around the world like we have never encountered or experienced before. So the question this morning is, how do we prioritize the presence of Jesus? How do we prioritize the presence of Jesus? Four lessons that we learn in Martha's living room. Four lessons we learn in Martha's living room. The first way that we prioritize the presence of God is we make room for prayer. We make room for prayer. So the first lesson that we learn in Martha's living room is that we need to begin with spiritual preparations instead of beginning with natural preparations. There's nothing wrong with natural preparations. They just shouldn't come first. The spiritual preparations need to come first. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. As we take our lives and we take our careers and we take our families and we take every circumstance and situation that we're facing into the prayer room, as we make the spiritual preparations, God gives us the strategy. He gives us the insight. He gives us the anointing that we need to go out and do whatever it is that he's called us to do. I love this story about a preacher named Warren Wearsby. Um, he was the pastor of Moody Church in Chicago, and he took a tour of John Wesley's house in London, England. 
And as he's having a look around John Wesley's house, he goes into the bedroom. And as he's in the bedroom, he sees that there's a little room sort of adjacent to the bedroom, just a small room. And he walks into that small room and he sees that there's, you know, a stand, a prayer sort of stand where Wesley would kneel and a Bible that was open, a candlestick on that table and then a chair as well in the room. And the tour guide who was sort of touring this group through um, this, this tour that day walks into that little small room adjacent to John Wesley's bedroom. And the tour guide stops and she says to Warren Wearsby, she looks at him and she says, hey, sir, you should know that this little room was the powerhouse of the Methodist revival that swept England and went all over the world. This little room was the powerhouse of the Methodist revival. Why? Because that little room was the place where John Wesley would get on his knees at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. in the morning, and he would spend hours in prayer crying out to God for revival, crying out to God for his nation. And as he did, that little room became the powerhouse of the revival that took place, hundreds of thousands of people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, miracles breaking out all over the nation. Do you know what, church? I pray that when it comes to the miraculous things that God wants to do in our cities and our nations, I pray that they could trace back the revivals that come out of Australia. They could trace back the moves of God that happen in the future. I pray that they would be able to trace it back to the source of the prayer rooms in this church, of the prayer rooms in your church, of the prayer rooms in your house, of your walking trails when you prayed and you spent time in the presence of God. I pray that people would be able to trace it back to the source and say, hey, it was those prayer meetings that were a catalyst for the revival that took place in Port Lincoln. It was that room where God just broke forth in the miraculous and supernatural signs and wonders and healings. When we make room for prayer, we make room for revival. I love what David Yongi Cho says. He says, as air is the breath of life, So prayer is the breath of faith. I love how um, W.S. Bowd puts it. He says, prayer is a weakness leaning on omnipotence. Prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. How do we prioritize the presence of God? The second lesson we learn in Martha's living room is that we need to make room for the word of God. We need to make room for the word of God. I love what Smith Wigglesworth said about this end time revival that was coming to the world. He said, you will know this revival because it would be signified by the word and the spirit. There will be a devotion to the Bible, a devotion to the word. There would be a revival of reading the word. People will be so hungry to know God in the word and there would be a move of the spirit. We see... um, that we need to begin with his voice instead of beginning with the world's noise. We need to begin with his voice instead of beginning with the world's noise. We see that Martha that day, she was beginning with all of the chaos, all of the world's noise in her house, but she just needed to start with the Lord's voice, with God's word. Hebrews chapter 14 and verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. 
Um, it's piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. I love what Charles Spurgeon says about revival and the Word of God. He says, if we want revivals, we must revive our reverence for the Word of God. The third thing we should do if we want to make room for the presence of God is we need to make room for worship. We need to begin with worship instead of beginning with worry. Martha began with worry. She doubted that Jesus cared for her. If she had just began with worship, she would know that that is not true, that Jesus loves her, that Jesus cares for her, that Jesus is with her, he's for her. Psalm 100, chapter 1, verse verse 1 to 5, it says, um, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues to all generations. We need to begin with worship. If we want to prioritize the presence of God, we need to begin with worship. We need to not be in a hurry, not be in a, in a rush, but spend time in the presence of God daily, just worshiping Him, just spending time in intimacy with Him. I don't know if you've ever tried to put on someone else's glasses, especially someone with a very thick, you know, prescription on their glass. Um, when you put on someone else's glasses and their lenses, it's like everything changes, right? You're just like, whoa, it changes the way that you walk. It changes the way that you perceive the world around you. It's just completely different when you put on someone else's lenses. Do you know what? In the same way, when we worship God, when we magnify God, we are putting on God's lenses when it comes to our life, when it comes to our circumstances and situations. We start to see things from His perspective. We start to see things differently. We magnify Him and in, in light of Him, the world, the things of the world grow strangely dim. As we start to magnify Him, it changes our perception of our problems. It changes our perception of the circumstances and situations that we're facing because we start to see from his perspective. I love what C.S. Lewis says about worship. He says, it is in the process of being worshipped that God communicates his presence to men. If we want his presence, we need to spend time in worship with God. The fourth and final thing, if the worship team could join me, that we need to do if we want to prioritize the presence of God is make room for faith. We need to make room for faith. We learn this lesson in Martha's living room that we need to begin with faith instead of beginning with frustration. I don't know about you, but it's so easy to begin with frustration when we have things that sort of don't line up with the Word of God in our lives and we can't reconcile it. It's like, God... When is this going to change? When is this going to be different? God tells us we need to begin with faith instead of beginning with frustration. And when we come into His presence, when we prioritize the one thing, we find the faith that we need to face our circumstances and situations. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists 
and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I love what Charles Finney says about faith. He says, A revival is nothing else than a new beginning of obedience to God. Corey Temboom says, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. I want to finish with this story. It's a story about a man named Charles Blondin, who was a famous tightrope walker, who walked a tightrope between uh, Canada and the United States on Ni- Niagara Falls. And in eight, 1859, he, he went through this enormous feat of just walking the tightrope by himself, and he would do crazy things. Apparently he would walk on stilts over the tightrope. Another time he would get a wheelbarrow and he would wheel the wheelbarrow from one side to the other, from one country to the other. And so large crowds began to form around this guy just watching him walk this tightrope between the two places. And everyone was just stunned. Everyone was amazed. Everyone was like, this is incredible. This guy is just a wonder to behold. I think there's been a movie made about him that you can go out and watch, but he was just a sight and a wonder. And people were like, this is amazing. But he had done it many times. So he was going back and forth. He was doing different tricks. I think one time he was cooking something in the middle of the tightrope and he was doing all these sorts of tricks. And as he was doing these tricks, people were watching him. They saw him do it over and over and over again. And so he calls out to the crowd one day, he calls out to them, hey, who believes that I can wheel this wheelbarrow across the tightrope? And everyone's like, yeah, we believe it. You can do it. That's awesome. That's so great. You can do it. And he's like, great. Who wants to jump in the wheelbarrow with me? (laughs) Yeah. And not one person jumped in that wheelbarrow that day. Everybody believed or they said they believed that he could do it. But when it came to putting action to their belief, works to their faith, they weren't willing to jump in the wheelbarrow. Do you know what I believe? If we want to prioritize the presence of God in our lives, if we want to say, Jesus, we want what you want for our lives. Jesus, we want the miraculous to start breaking forth in our church, in our workplace, in everything that we put our hands to. God, we want revival. God, we want you to come and you to lead and you to take over. We don't want to begin with frustration. We want to begin with faith. Then it's going to take some people who are willing to surrender all to Jesus, who are willing to jump in the wheelbarrow with Jesus, to say, Jesus, you're all all I want, you're all I need. I give it all to you. I lay my life down for you. There's nothing else. There's no one else for me but Jesus. Can we just stand to our feet right now? Just close our eyes. We're just going to take some time just to pray and then I'll hand back to Pastor Rob, Pastor Pauline. you just want to say today, Jesus, I want to prioritize your presence in my life. I don't want to live a Martha life, missing out on what miraculous things you might want to do in my house, in my life, in my career, in my 
ministry in my church. I want to prioritize your presence. I want to get back to that place of just waiting on you and hearing from you and going deeper with you and jumping in the wheelbarrow with you. If that's you and you just want to prioritize his presence today, can you just lift up your hands to God? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus. If you have a prayer language, why don't you start to pray in that prayer language? Just invite the Holy Spirit to come speak to you. Lord God, as individuals, as a congregation, as a region, God, we come back to that place of making the one thing, the most important thing, the main thing in our lives, Jesus. We say we want to prioritize your presence in our lives, in our hearts, in our ministries, in our careers, in our jobs, in our families. God, we want to come back to that place of your presence today. God, we want to know you in a deeper way. We want to come. We want to wait on you. Holy Spirit, we thank you, God, that as we make room for the presence of God, as we make room for prayer and the Word and worship and faith, God, you are about to break out in a powerful way in our lives individually, in our churches and in our region, Lord God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, as we make room for you. You come and you fill the gap. You come and you fill that space. And so God, right now, I just pray for every single one of us to have a greater awareness of your presence, to have a greater awareness of what it is that you wanna do in our lives, in our hearts, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would move in this place in a powerful, powerful way. Just before I get off stage, I know I need to, we need to move on to the next service in a moment. But I would love to pray for the sick in this room today. And we've been seeing incredible miracles at Numa. And I believe that that's not just for our church. I believe that that's for every believer who comes to Jesus, who says, God, I need healing. I need your power to come and heal me and save me and set me free. And so if you're sick in your body today, can you just lift up your hands to God? We're just gonna ask for believers around you just to lay hands on you and just stand with you in prayer. And we're gonna believe for the miraculous power of God to flow throughout your body today. We're gonna believe for signs and wonders and miracles to take place in this place. Lord God, we just thank you for every single person who is sick in this place today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for everyone who came to you in the Bible who said, Jesus, I'm sick. Lord, have compassion on me. Lord, have mercy on me. Jesus, you laid hands on the sick and we saw them healed. We saw them recover. And so God, right now, we ask you to come and heal the sick in this room today, Lord God. Thank you, God, for the incredible miracles that you're doing at Numa Church. But God, thank you that it's not restricted to one time or one place or one location. God, you are the same God in Port Lincoln. You are the same God at One Heart Church. Your presence and power is the same presence and power in this building right now in our hearts, in our lives, in our hands as we lay hands on the sick in this room today. God, let us see your power made manifest 
manifest in our bodies. God, come and heal us, we pray. We thank You for the testimonies that are going to go forth from this place of people who have been sick, who have recovered, people who are testifying to the healing power, the miraculous work of God in their lives. We just give You all the praise and we give You all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Can we give God a shout?